0: And uh, th- this, as you know, is the, the week leading right on up to and through the, we call it the Passion Week, the week of the passion of our Lord Jesus, the week of his suffering, the week of his death, the week of his burial. And then next Sunday, of course, we celebrate uh, that, that great high, uh, the most important day in all of Christendom is next Sunday morning uh, when we celebrate the resurrection christmas is good christmas is wonderful i'm glad that jesus came but do you realize that if he had not completed the mission for which he came and if there had not been a resurrection christmas would just be another day but thank god he completed what he came for and uh, yeah give him praise he's worthy of that i did I, is that Jacob? Hey, Jacob! We're glad to have Jacob Candler home this morning. Hey, there you go. Hey, Amen. Welcome, welcome. Praise the Lord. I'm uh, I'm going to delve into that that Passion Week today, and and normally on this Sunday, and, and perhaps this will be a Sunday that many many pulpits across America will preach. Uh, we refer to it as palm sunday and they'll preach on that uh, triumphal entry of jesus into this world uh, or into jerusalem getting ready for uh, the passion week but um, i'm going to vary from that i'm going to go into that week and pull out uh, some incidents that i think are uh, important and hopefully will speak to you but I'm, I'm not going to deal with the triumphal entry. Just know that he came into Jerusalem amid the shouts of Hosanna and palm branches waving. And that was wonderful. But it was a preparation for the things that were going to take place uh, during that week. And so today I want to I talk to you about, actually the title of my message is Time in the Sieve. Um, anybody know what a sieve is? Uh, maybe you refer to it as a sifter. Anybody know what a sifter is? Okay, we went from three people to twelve people. It, um, I, I, I went looking for one. I searched the dollar stores and couldn't find one. Uh, maybe I was trying to be too cheap. I don't know. But uh, but I, I found one. I found one in um, in Walmart. Bought the last one they had at Walmart. So if you need a sifter. Um, don't go to Walmart on Washington Road. You might want to try the other one because I, I got the last one. Let, let, the literal definition. This is what Webster says that this is a utensil with wire netting, and you can see the wire netting here underneath this. That with wire netting, or small holes for the separating fine part of any pulverized substance from the coarse. Now. We have one of these at, at home. Uh, my wife doesn't, she really don't like for me to bring her sifter because it is so old. We've had it for a long, long time. In fact, this got a little crank on the side. You, you know what I'm talking about? That, that, that's, to me, it's not a sifter. It doesn't have a little crank on the side. But actually, this is a little more... It's got this thing here that you can do it, you know. You can actually stir the stuff while you're you're putting your flour in it. Now, I know the younger generation thinks that biscuits just pop out of a window (laughs) at a fast food restaurant. But actually, there's a preparation process that goes into that. And one of the main purposes of a sifter or sieve like this... Is so that as you're preparing your biscuits or whatever, you put flour into this and then you go to work with a sifter. And when you do this, the flour, the fine flour comes out the bottom. But if there's any contaminants in that flour, then this fine mesh wire here will catch that and hold it. So the purpose of a sifter is to let everything good go through but to hold everything bad inside. Now, fortunately, flour is much better with the machinery and equipment we have today than it was many years ago. When I was a little boy, uh, when you when you sifted some flour, you usually had some little stones, little rocks that was in the flour. Uh, And you can still get those things. Sometimes it'll get get by no matter how mechanical the process is. Sometimes it will let things go by. And that's why this is important because you don't want to be eating a biscuit and bite down on a rock. You could break a tooth. You understand. Usually those stones are very small, but but they're very hard and and can cause damage. So you want to catch those. It's very important that you sift those out. And uh, don't don't let that get through when you're baking or cooking or whatever you might be doing with flour or whatever else you might use a sifter for. Now, um, there's a, an interesting story in the Bible, and it it's right out of this week that we're celebrating with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That has to do with a sieve for a sifter. And it's a spiritual application here. This, this is just, they use those terms so that you will understand from the natural a principle of something that happens in the spiritual. And so I'm going to go into that story today and, and bring to you, And in fact I'm going to highlight a person that found himself in the sieve. And maybe you are in the sieve today and we'll talk about it. Let me me begin by giving you some important events leading up to this sifting. First of all, there was the Lord's Supper. Now, remember after the triumphal entry and all the things that went on that week, then Jesus sent his disciples to secure a place where they could observe Passover. And they secured a large upper room, large enough for all 12 of the disciples and Jesus to observe Passover. Passover possibly if you have some Jewish friends or um, you've been to a Jewish kind of service maybe you've uh, experienced the Passover meal it's it's an interesting phenomenon it's from the it's from the old covenant and it commemorates the time that the children of Israel were brought out of Egyptian bondage after years of being in uh, slavery. God set them free and carried them across the wilderness to the promised land and, and created a mighty, mighty nation that is blessed of God and remains blessed of God even to this very day because uh, they are part of an everlasting covenant that God made with those people. But... In this week that we're celebrating right now, we're, we're literally at the point of the changing of time, the moving from the old covenant to the new covenant. And Jesus is celebrating Passover, an observance in the old covenant, and, and sort of finishes that up with that last time that he observed Passover with his disciples. And then in the process, he institutes communion or the Lord's Supper as we refer to it which is an observance that will continue and does till this day of the new covenant and it speaks when they were having it prophetically of what was about to happen. It speaks to us historically of what has already happened. So let's look first of all at the Lord's Supper and I'll read from Matthew chapter 26 verses 26 to 28. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You see what Jesus is saying here? Let's, we've, we've finished the Passover meal now. We understand. But that Passover lamb was was prophetically looking forward to the time that God would send the redemptive lamb. And Jesus was the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the earth. So Jesus took that bread and he said, I, I want you to understand when you take this bread, you, you, you will be from this day forward reminding yourself, of what I'm about to do and that is give my body for you my body is going to be broken for you and so when when you when you do this in the future you'll be reminding yourself of what's about to take place in just a few hours in fact and then he took that cup and he and and he blessed it and gave it to them and they received it now when we observe communion one of the things that I think we put too little emphasis on typically and that is the fact that when we receive communion we're not only commemorating the death of Jesus his body that was broken and his blood that was shed but the disciples understood something about covenant that we we don't talk a lot about covenant so it, it's it's not part of our Culture. We have, we have um, contracts and, and uh, we don't deal with covenant as they did. But when you receive something from someone making covenant, then you were saying, I accept that and I give back to you in equality to the best of my ability. So when the disciples received those elements of communion, they were saying, yes, Lord, we receive your body broken for us and your blood shed for us. But we also give you our life as well. We're in covenant together. And that's what we do when we come to the table of the Lord. We not only receive those elements and say, I remember the death of Jesus, but we're saying, Lord, I'm in covenant with you and I give you my life as well. Now, to the best of our ability, and that's, as Pastor Reagan said a while ago, when you when you lift your hands and you give yourself, when you give yourself, that, that's all you can give. Amen? That's, that's it. You're, you're giving the totality of your life. I, I, I like to say it like this when I'm receiving communion in, in my prayer time. I say, Lord... As I've taken this cup, I remember the covenant and the blood that was shed and the covenant that you made with us. And, Lord, I respond to that covenant by giving you my spirit, my soul, and my body, my past, my present, and my future. Everything that I am, I give to you in response to that covenant. That's what was going on in the upper room. Then something else took place. There was a, there was a foot washing, a foot washing. Let me read it to you. I'm going to read a lengthy passage, so follow along with me, if you will, as I put it on the screen from John chapter 13, the first 17 verses. I want to read all of those. It's very significant. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart out from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended... The devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments took a towel and girded himself now i 'm going to pause right there and hold it right there i 'll come back and begin with verse five in just a minute <laughs> here, here 's what was going on. I want you to get the picture here I, I want you to see this in your mind if you will. The disciples are in this large upper room where they 've observed the lord 's supper and, and, and Jesus has instituted the covenant uh, communion of of the new covenant and, and then Jesus does something that 's very, very strange. He gets up. And prepares to wash the disciples' feet. Now, uh, typically, the first thing you do when you come into a house in that day or into a room would be to wash your feet. Now, there's a reason for that. The reason was they traveled by walking. And they walked on these dusty roads. They, they, they didn't have pavement. They didn't have paved sidewalks. They, it was sandy ground. And so... Your feet got dusty and dirty. Sometimes even more than that, you got to realize that animals also went down those same roads. And so it was really easy if you're traveling for your feet to get dirty. So typically the first thing that happens when you go in the house... The house servant, whoever that might be. If, if this had been at one of the homes of the disciples, let's say if this had been at the Zebedee house, James and John, their mother, the, the, whoever she had hired to help her at the house, that would have been the person that would have washed all of their feet because these were guests. That was the hospitable thing to do when somebody came into your house. First thing you do is wash their feet. But they're not in anybody's home. So there are no servants there in the upper room, that no, no hired servants that are there. So, if you're in a place where there are no hired servants to do this um, welcoming um, uh, application of washing the feet, then the person of lowest estate would be the one that would wash the feet. What should have happened with the disciples would have been for the youngest one, whoever that was, to say, to say um, okay, I, I'm, I'm, the youngest, I'm the youngest kid on the block, I'll, I'll, I'll wash everybody's feet. But when these guys went in, nobody volunteered to do that if you don't want to go by the youngest then let 's go by seniority um, let's let's um, let's take it from there let 's see who was who's been the longest as one of the disciples or you'd you go backwards from that and then the the last one that was selected would be the one that would take but but none of, they they didn 't go through any of this process they just all walked in and all of them are As much as saying, I'm just as good as you are, I'm just as good as you are, and I'm just as good. And nobody in that group of disciples would admit to being any less than the other. And to beat all, they are following Jesus so you know who is the person of the highest esteem in the room. That's Jesus. He's their teacher. He's their master He's the Son of God. He's God the Son who came from heaven to this earth. And He does the unthinkable. He's the one who gets up. Let's continue reading it. Verse 5. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which He was girded. Then He came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, Are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I'm doing you don't understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Simon Peter something else, isn't he? Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but he is completely clean. And you're clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, You're not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taking his garment and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you say, Well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet... You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. This is so important. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You know what Jesus is teaching here? And it's a valuable principle. And it goes for every follower of Jesus Christ from the 12 disciples to this very service in this house this morning. If you're going to follow Jesus, there's one thing you need to learn. All of us need to learn. And that is servant leadership. It's different from the way the world operates. But it's the principle that Jesus taught. I have in my office near my desk a figurine of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I have it placed where it is so I can glance at it daily and remind myself that in the kingdom of God, there are no big eyes and little U's. Amen. We're all servants. And Jesus is demonstrating by example. He, is, he said, I'm your Lord and your master, but I didn't come to be served. I come to serve. If there's anything that bothers me, it's seeing some people that feel like that they're just kind of a little bit of cut above everybody else and they're standing with the Lord and in the kingdom of God. You really see that among preachers sometimes. You can walk in a preacher's convention and you can kind of tell. It doesn't take long to pick out the pecking order, you know. It's just kind of a natural thing that happens among us. But Jesus said, I don't want it to be that way among you. this, This is not... The the greatest one among you should be the servant of all. In fact, in the kingdom of God, if you want to go up, start by going down. God says if if you want to be lifted up, you start by humility. Humble yourself and you'll be exalted. But exalt yourself and I'll bring you down. That's just the way the kingdom of God works. Anybody glad about that? Say amen. Praise the Lord. Well, Let's move on from here. I want to look at some of the topics that they were discussing there in the upper room. One of the things they discussed, Jesus, and by the way, brought up the subject. He said, one of, one of the disciples is going to betray me. Look at it in Luke chapter 22, verses 21 to 23. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table, and surely the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was that would do this thing. Jesus said, one of you, one of you, one of you twelve is going to betray me. And um, now here's the way it went. The disciples were all seated and John, the beloved disciple, was the very closest to Jesus. If you read some of the other accounts, Matthew, Mark, and John also along with Luke records all of this. But, uh, But somebody whispered over to John said ask him who it is ask him who it is and so Jesus whispered back and they all learned who it was later he said it's the one that that I offer the sup to and he he offered the sup to Judas Iscariot. carry was not long after that until Judas slipped out and went to the chief priest to bargain for an amount and he settled for 30 pieces of silver to betray the Lord Jesus in their hands. so they they talked about that, and all of them were concerned. Surely it's not me, and, and that's how the Lord revealed it. Second thing they talked about, Jesus said, all of you are going to stumble because of me tonight. All of you. All of you are going to be offended because of me. You're going you're gonna to stumble because of me. You're going to deny that you even know me. Let's look at it from Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, 27 to 31. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him assuredly I say to you that today even this night before the rooster crows twice you'll deny me three times but he spoke more vehemently if I have to die with you I will not deny you and they all said likewise this is an interesting dialogue here you've already seen you've already seen at the foot washing ceremony that Simon Peter speaks up and causes a uh, a ruckus there before they could go on with the foot washing. You know, when he got to, Jesus got to him and said, you'll never wash my feet. And, and then of course Jesus had to straighten him out on what was going on. And then he, <laughs> then he goes overboard. My, wash my hands and my head. And Jesus said, no, 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 this is the foot washing here. Then when, when Jesus reveals this part of what's about to happen, it's, it's going to, he quotes scripture and he says, all of you, will be offended because of me all of you are going to stumble this night because of me Simon Peter said I'm not I'm not now I, I don't know exactly how all the dialogue went on because obviously the Bible gives us the the highlights every word is not recorded the Bible tells us that because if it was the Bible would be so big it'd take you forever to read it <laughs> but maybe Jesus said something like this Simon what part of all do you not understand? I just said, all of you, all of you, Simon Peter said, not me. He said, these guys might, but <laughs> not me. Boy, you, you got to be pretty self-confident if you think you're better than all the rest of them. Yeah? And, then, and then Jesus said, wait a minute, I gave you a scripture for it. I quoted from Zechariah chapter 13, and I told you what was about to happen. And, uh, and Simon Peter basically says, well, old Zach missed it on this one. <laughs> He's arguing with the Bible. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I'm not going to do it. I will not. And uh, so we'll find out what happens after that. There's another thing they discussed, and this one fascinates me. You know, Jesus has just revealed to his disciples that he's about to be betrayed, he's about to be crucified. And so, what do you think these guys are talking about now? Well, based on the fact that you're fixing to die, look at Luke twenty two, twenty-four to twenty-seven. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be your, as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he that sits at the table? Yet I am among you as one who serves. Now, now here Jesus is revealing to them about what he's right ahead of him, what he's fixing to go through. And they're saying, well, wonder, wonder um, which one of us will be the guy that kind of leads this group after that. Who's going to be the greatest? And and by the way, the Zebedee boy's mother came and asked Jesus, said, uh, if you don't mind, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, I'd like for you to make one of my boys, I'd like for one of them to sit on your right hand, and I'd like for one of them to sit on your left hand. And the scripture said she didn't realize what she was asking. And boy, did she not realize what she was asking. You remember reading over in Revelations where Jesus puts some on the right hand and some on the left. He put sheep on the right hand and goats on the left. The, the saved on the right and the lost on the left. She's, pray, she's praying for one of her boys to be on the right. I don't know which one that was going to be, but he was the lucky one on that one because she's praying for the other one to be on the left. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen, folks, I, sometimes I thank God for the prayers that he did not answer like I prayed them. Because sometimes we don't even know what we're praying for. We don't understand what we're asking for. And the mother of James and John did not know what she was asking for when she prayed that prayer. But here they are. All of them now are disputing. Not just James and John. All of them are disputing now who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus comes back to this subject of servant leadership. Now, all of us understand that For something to be true, it only has to be said once by the Lord, right? I mean, that's it. God doesn't have to repeat it. But when he does repeat something, it really pays us to perk up and pay close attention. Jesus, at the foot washing ceremony, taught them about servant leadership. And now, at this discussion of who's going to be the greatest, he brings the subject up again and he said, it, it's that way among the Gentiles, or he's talking about the nations of the world out there, the non-Jewish nations. This is the way they operate. They all have their pecking order. They all have their political powers and structures. And they all have all of this stuff where, where this one's above this one and over this one. But he said, among you, it shall not be that way. And he tells them plainly, I, I do not want it to be that way among you. And folks, that's a message for the church today. Jesus does not want it to be that way among us. There's not a one of you under the sound of my voice today that is any less important to the Lord Jesus than any other person under the sound of my voice. That's the way it is in the kingdom of God. It makes no difference, your race, your creed, your color, your background, your educational status, your wealth or non-wealth, or where you came from, or anything else. The ground is level at the cross of Calvary, and we're equal in the power and the presence of the Lord God, our glory (laughs) Glory to God. So let's remember that. Jesus said, this is important. This is the way I want to be among you. And then he comes, and this is my message. (laughs) That was my introduction. (laughs) My message is not going to be there as long as my introduction. So don't get uh, get worried. Here is the sifting. I'm staying with Luke chapter 22. Look at verses 31 and 32. Now, I've, I've brought out this dialogue at the foot washing and also at the discussion of Simon Peter and his boisterousness and so forth. Apparently, because of Simon Peter's pride, uh, borderlining arrogance, and certainly his self-reliance, he felt like, I'm, I can handle it. The rest of these guys may fall, but not me. I'm, you, you see that apparently that opened a door and Satan walked through that door And desired to put Simon Peter in the sifter. Because look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 verses, uh, 22 verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen the brethren now you know the rest of the story with Simon Peter after they, after they finished in the upper room they went to the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus prayed that night until his sweat took on a purplish hue and like great drops of blood dropped to the ground beneath he agonized and he's praying oh father if it be your will let this cup pass from me but if there's no other way for mankind to be saved, then I'm willing. Flesh is weak, but my spirit's willing. And finally, he reached that point where he could pray, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. We talked about this when we talked about prayer, that, that true praying is, is reaching the point where you give God permission in the area of your dominion. And that's what Jesus did. He, he said, Lord, your will, not, not my will, but your will. Now, after this prayer, this agonizing prayer, here comes a band of soldiers, armed men. We don't know how many there were. Could have been as many as 100 because there was a centurion there and perhaps 100 soldiers. I don't know. It could have been less than that, but it was certainly more than the number of disciples they were. They were greatly outnumbered. Now remember, Simon Peter's just made these big brags a little bit earlier, and and he's good to his word. I mean, when these soldiers come to take Jesus, Simon Peter rips out his sword and he starts swinging. But he doesn't care that he's outnumbered. He doesn't care how many armed soldiers there are. He doesn't give a rip that they. That he just starts swinging, and he cuts off the ear of uh, Malchus, the servant of the high priest. Cuts his ear off. <laughs> somebody said why did he cut his ear off because he missed he was trying to split his head wide open and the guy ducked just just enough but he still lost an ear over it and Jesus had to stop and heal him put his ear back on for Simon Peter man Simon Peter said hey well, I don't know about the rest of you but I you remember what I said back there I'm, I'm not going down I'm standing I'll guarantee you I don't care how many come on bring it on I'm ready And he's swinging the sword. And, of course, Jesus has to tell him this is not the time to fight. And and you know the rest of the story then. But this man who is so boisterous, this man who is so bold, this man who is so brave, this man who is so loyal, this man who is so committed, this man who is so braggadocious that he believes that he's stronger than any of the rest of the disciples in just a couple of hours cowers before a waitress and a little maid servant says you're one of his disciples aren't you and he said no 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 I don't even know the man she comes back a little bit later and said no, you're one of them your your speech betrays you I can tell that accent you're you're from Galilee you're you're one of them and he said no finally the third time And this time he begins to curse and swear. And in in just a matter of hours, when he's put in the sifter, and Satan is trying now to sift everything good out of him. And everything good is gone. That that brazenness, that boldness, that loyalty, that faithfulness, that 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 commitment, all of that, all of that now is gone. And the only thing that is left is, is just the stinking humanity. And he begins to curse and to swear that he never knew Jesus. What a failure. And yet Satan desires to do exactly what he did to Simon Peter to every one of you and to me. Jesus told us in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what Satan, his goal is to destroy each and every one of us. He wants to put you in the sieve. He wants to sift you. He wants to, he wants to press everything good out of you. And, and he wants to magnify your shortcomings, your failures, your weaknesses, your, the, the area where you're most vulnerable. And then he wants to identify you. With that failure. But I want to take this little story this morning. I don't want to leave without giving you some application. I want to tell you what to do when you're sifted. And I want you to see what Simon Peter did. The first thing you need to do when you're sifted, you need to identify the enemy. You need to identify the enemy. Remember when Jesus forewarned Simon Peter, Jesus Jesus knew what had happened. Evidently, Satan had a legal right because of the doors in Simon Peter's life that he had opened. He had a legal right to test him. And Jesus told him, Simon, Satan has desired to have you so that he can sift you as wheat. If you're going through, I, I don't know who you are this morning, But I I believe the Holy Spirit dealt with my heart about this message for somebody that's here today. Maybe a number of people that are here today. But if you're going through that place in your life where it's tougher than it's ever been, you've never faced a battle like you're facing right now. You're, you're, you're fighting in desperation. You're trying to hang on. You're, you're struggling right now. You're, you feel like everything good has been pressed out of you. You don't, you don't even feel saved. You don't, you don't feel righteous. You don't feel like you're a child of God anymore. You, you may have even messed up. You may have stumbled. You may have fallen. You may have done some things you never thought you would do. You may have said some things you never thought you would say. You're in the sifter. And Satan's trying to press everything good out of you. But you just remember that's the devil. That's Satan. That's your enemy. Jesus, it, it's not, it's not what you may think. It's not your boss that's your enemy. It's not your in-laws that are your enemies. It's not, it's not your, it's 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 not your neighbor. It's not your. It's not your mother-in-law. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. It's not, it's not your children. It's not, it's not the weather. It's not the economy. It's none of these things. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And Satan, identify who it is. We're not, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're not Don't don't be lashing out at each other. You say, well, you don't know what they did to me. It was Satan that caused them to do it. Don't get mad at them. They didn't even know what they were doing. Identify the thief. And then secondly, I love this right here. Remember who's praying for you. You remember what Jesus said to Simon Peter? Simon, Simon. Simon. Call his name twice. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. Right. I'm praying for you. Yes. Have, have you ever been going through a trial? that was, you, you just felt like, oh, if there was somebody that would just help me pray. If there's somebody to pray for. Let me tell you, there is someone praying for you. We have an intercessor at the right hand of the father. Let me tell you, yes, Give him praise today. The greatest prayer in all of this universe is praying for you at the right hand of God the Father this morning, Jesus Christ, your elder brother, your Savior, your Lord and Master, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. you. Don't believe the lies of Satan. Don't 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 accept what he's trying to No, 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 no. Remember who's praying for you. You say, "But preacher, I've, I've I've messed up. I've fallen. I've said some things I thought I'd never say. I've done some things I thought I'd never do." Well, let me tell you what to do. Repent. Just repent. Return to Jesus. The old King James 1611 version says that Jesus said, Simon, when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. That word converted means to return. The new King James version and several other versions use that word return. It's, it's the best word I think that can be translated there. Return, return, return. Let me tell you, the reason Satan's got you in the sifter is he's trying to to magnify your shortcomings and your failures to the point that you'll identify with them and feel like there's no hope for you. That's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Jesus is saying, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Come on home. Come on home. Return. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Thank God Peter did that. He went out that night and wept bitterly. He repented. He returned to the Lord. And Jesus restored him later, as we shall see in just a few minutes. Next thing. This is a good one. Remember your potential. By the way. Do you know why you're going through such a terrible test? Do you know why Satan has got you in the sieve? Do you know why he's trying to press everything good out of you and magnify all your shortcomings and failures? You know why? Because he sees your potential. Remember, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted or when you return, strengthen the brethren. In other words, he said, you're going to be restored. You're going to be restored. You may fail, but if you'll return, you'll be restored. In fact, your potential. Potential is so great. Peter, I'm here to tell you that you, you're going to feel like that you have messed up in front of all of these disciples and that you're going to feel like you're the lowest one among them. But if you'll return, if you'll return, I'm going to lift you up. To, it was Simon Peter who on the day of Pentecost preached that masterpiece of a sermon. 3,000 people got saved that day because he returned to the Lord. The enemy sees your potential. That's why he's testing you. Don't, don't, don't let him win. Don't let him win. Defend with your shield of faith. Remember what Jesus said to Simon Peter? Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you that he may have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. The most important defensive weapon you have against Satan and his attack is the shield of faith. If you read the whole armor of God, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith whereby you can quench all the fiery darts of the devil. I want to tell you, don't let your faith fail. Don't let your faith fail. Don't let your faith fail. Hang on. You may be hanging on by a thread. If you are, just tie a knot and just hang on to that thread. Amen? But hang on because God is going to see you through this. Satan is not going to win. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen? He is, oh, glory to God. He's going to see you through this thing. He's going to bring you through the victory. And then attack with the uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the Word of God and come against that enemy and tell him what he is. He's a liar. He's not going to win in Jesus' name. He's not going to win in Jesus' name. Your greatest days are still still ahead of you. They're still ahead of you. They're still ahead of you. They're still ahead of you. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't let your faith fail. (laughs) Stand with me, please. The next few minutes are so important. Unless you just have to, I want to encourage you to, to remain with us and be in prayer for the next few minutes. I really felt burdened this week for this message, and when that happens, I, I I know there's a reason. I know there are people that that are right there, and so I I just believe in my spirit today that there are people under the sound of my voice right now that maybe in the last thirty forty five minutes you've you've. Seen the light on what you're going through. You understand what's happening. You understand why it's happening. And you're going to get a grip this morning. And you're going to say, <laughs> I'm not going to be identified by what's left in this sieve. Satan's not going to have me. I'm getting back to the Lord. I'm, co- I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let the Lord restore me he will do you think this morning if Jesus is praying for you at the right hand of the Father praying in your behalf interceding for you that he's going to reject you when you come no 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 no. he's going to reach to you with open arms he's going to say come on let let me restore you let me restore you that's what he did for Simon Peter if you read the rest of the story you will discover that three times the Lord Jesus affirmed him and his love before the other disciples he restored him the psalmist David says, he restoreth my soul. The Lord wants to restore you today. He wants to restore you. He wants to help you. This altar is open. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come quickly. And we're going to pray. And if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, some are already coming. I want you, I want you to just start moving this way. You say, preacher, I, 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 I identify with that this morning. I'm going through a tough time right now. I'm going through a tough time, but I, I, I want to talk to the Lord before I go today. I'm, I'm going I'm to talk to the Lord. If you want somebody to pray with you and for you, we have people here that will be glad to agree with you in prayer and pray, and pray that way for you and help you in prayer. But you may just want to find a place to pray, just you and God. If you're unsaved this morning, come and give your heart to Jesus. If you're away from the Lord this morning, come on home. Return, return, return to the Lord. He's waiting for you. Come on. If you're going through a tough time, come to Jesus this morning. Say, Lord, I want to worship you. Come on, the altar's open. God bless you. And I want those of you that remain standing, would you take a few moments before you leave? I'm, I'm finishing a little earlier than I usually do today. They're not even finished in children's church yet. So we've got a few minutes. Would you take a few minutes as you stand here to just pray right there where you are? Just, just pray. Would you do that? Just bow your head and talk to the Lord. Those of you that like to come forward, come on. The altar's open. God bless you as you respond. Those of you are standing, would you just take a few minutes to pray? Just you and the Lord. Take the opportunity to thank him for what he did for you that we're celebrating this week. God bless you as you pray.